0: We're in Bereshit, our book of Genesis, and um, um, because of what uh, unfolds for us in chapter 4, I was led to do a study that uh, I won't be able to finish this morning and who knows if I'll ever finish it because it might be something I'll be teaching the rest of my life. Uh, But uh, in the next couple of weeks, the next time I'm here, I think it will be two weeks down the road, uh, we'll be talking about anger wrath, uh, malice, hate, uh, all those marvelous things that we have in our hearts. And uh, it all stems from our, uh, uh, from Adam down to Cain and to Abel. When Cain was born, uh, Eve says, I've gotten a man child of the, world, of the Lord. Her actual language was, I've gotten the child, the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Targum Jonathan translates that, um, I've gotten the child, of the angel of the Lord, and so all of a sudden, I mean, her and Adam understood the messianic pre-pre uh, uh, gospel proto-evangelion. They they knew that something special was about to happen. Uh, they knew something horrific had already happened. I mean, they were naked. They were hiding. They were separated from God. They they just died spiritually. And they were in a process now of dying physically, and uh, they knew that they had uh, some great changes to overcome in their own bodies. Uh, so uh, I don't know if you can remember the first time you ever sinned. Um, I'm sure you remember the last time, and uh, you get used to it after a while. But uh, uh, sin changes you, you know. Uh, uh, I imagine it's kind of interesting that. When a Messiah, Yeshua, became sin for us, he screamed in anguish. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He screams. There's Psalm 22. Uh, and I, I go into sin, uh, you know, like stepping up the curb. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'll get back. Uh, it's like no big deal anymore. Uh, I guess I, I've gotten used to it. Uh, don't. Uh, and so, uh, but they knew something horrific had happened, and they were expecting some great things. And can you imagine the disappointment that came upon them when, the, when this, this man-child of the Lord was not the deliverer at all? And he raises up and slays his own brother. This is the beginning. It's a marvelous study. If you look at siblings in the Bible, uh, you got Cain and Abel. Um, later on, we're going to see uh, uh, Ishmael and Isaac. And then we're going to see Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, uh, uh, and then you go see uh, later on David and his brothers, and then David's children. And uh, we Jewish people, we don't do well with <laughs> we, we we have a lot of family problems, don't we? And don't we all because we are of the nature that we are. Uh, Cain, uh, Adam knew his wife um, in verse uh, chapter four, verse one, and she conceived bit of Cain, and said, "I've gotten a man from the Lord." Actually, I've gotten the Lord. Uh, and she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of the sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, at the time of the oblation, it was the time for the evening offering. So there's a lot more revelation given to them. I wouldn't jump into the, uh, the, uh, the Bible-only Talmud quite yet. I don't think we need an encyclopedia of uh, and some, 20 some odd volumes of books uh, to, to explain this one verse, but obviously there's more information given to them orally that has been recorded. That, how do they know to when to bring an offering? And how do they know what was an acceptable sacrifice? We don't have that all that information. And in the process of time, Cain comes first. He's the oldest. And he brings an offering from the fruit of the ground of his own labors unto the Lord. Abel also like a second thought, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, he also brought an offering of the first things of, now notice, his offering is first things, the first things of his flock, with the fat, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Now, we don't know exactly why. Some people say, well, because the fat, and the first things, it was best uh, that he brought. Uh, uh, Others suggest, and I think this might be the theme of scripture, we often interpret scriptures as, um, you know, um, examples on how we should or shouldn't live. We see bad ex- examples and we say, "Well, don't do that." Good examples, "Oh, do the, you should do this." But behind all of the stories, which are examples for us, there's a redemptive history, and the entire scriptures is, "Where are you?" And it's the heart of God drawing man back to himself to enter into that wonderful relationship that we once had and enjoyed with them. And in the redemptive history, notice Adam and Eve made themselves fig leaves. And God slayed an animal, and there was bloodshed to cover themselves so they wouldn't have to hide and be ashamed anymore. And here we see in Abel's offering, an animal was slain. And in Cain's offering, there is no blood in the sacrifice. Now I know that... Uh, Abel uh, worked the flock and Cain worked the ground. So what was Cain supposed to do? Maybe he's supposed to take of his of his grain, of his of vegetables and flowers and put together a beautiful, beautiful display and give it to Abel and say, here, can I trade this off for blood? They must have had some going back and forth. It couldn't be that that. Uh, Cain kept all of his vegetables for himself and Abel kept all of his flock for himself uh, they must have been trading and bartering and so I want to bring something great to God I know I need a blood sacrifice and I said how would he know that well he knew when to bring the sacrifice and obviously uh, when God was wrought with Cain it's something that Cain did not do and he had a problem so uh, I, I don't know I only know that Cain's offering was not satisfied in fact three. Uh, So unto Cain, uh, the Lord would say verse four, the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain, it's his offering, he had not respect. I don't think that Cain threw a bunch of flowers on an altar and walked away. I think he worked hard to put together a, a, a suitable display of his, of his, of his produce before God. But God said uh, he wouldn't He wouldn't approve of it. And uh, we don't know exactly what or why. Cain was very wroth. That we know. And his countenance fell. Can't hide it. And here we come to the questions that God asks. Uh, the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry? And he repeats the second question, Why is your countenance fallen? And I suggest to you that that in most cases, when I, I watch the kids, I, I have them, and uh, and whenever you say, "Why are you angry?" You know what the answer in most cases is. Come on, you know, you know. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. Nobody is like that. But a lot of times, people will say, "I'm not angry," and the guy says, "Well, why is your countenance falling if you're not angry?" And uh, um, I'm going to have uh, Jamie come up and sing her song at this time, and we'll come back. <laughs> well, <I never> know. <laughs> this song was written for my son, who preached on this subject. Thanks Jamie, I I love the country and western. Uh, (laughs) In Ephesians it talks about let not the sun go down in your wrath, be angry sin not, so there's a place for anger without sin. Um, I've never found it, I'm always angry, I'm full of sin. And um, uh, one of my grandchildren suggested that he starts his anger in the morning. Because that way you can keep on through it all day long, letting the sun go down your wrath. James says, The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And in two weeks, God willing, we will talk to you about um, from Colossians and Ephesians the several different words anger, wrath, malice, uh, bitterness. They're all uh, different uh, strands. Some are mental attitudes, uh, emotions, some are behaving and activity, how the abundant heart of the mouth speaks. And we'll unfold that. And look at that and the distinction of being filled with the, uh, the Spirit, letting, uh, putting on the, 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 the bond of love, and letting the word of, of Messiah, Yeshua, dwell in you richly. That's in two weeks. Um, uh, uh, you know, um, you people talk about emptying yourself of these things, and um, uh, it's rather complicated. I can't imagine how I would ever uh, stand on my head and let this stuff pull out my ear. How do I put off wrath, anger, malice? Uh, How do I get rid of it? And uh, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks on how, what you can do. It's one thing to say, put it off. You say, how? I'm I'm angry. I won't admit it, but I am. And what am I going to do with that anger? How do I get rid of it? How do you dispel it? And there's all kinds of marvelous messages in the Word that deal with that. I'm going to deal with something else right now um, in... in, um, in how we display our, our anger and so on. Um, <clears throat> I'll go back several years ago, um, we were going to uh, visit a friend of ours up in North Jersey. Actually, my mistake, he lived in Brooklyn, uh, lived in New York, and, um, uh, and I'm the boy from New York City. I know, I know the roads and I know how to get from uh, up, up there. We actually we, you know how to get, get from Levittown up through Jersey and, and up to New York and, and so on. And, uh, but I hadn't been there in a long time, and somebody came by with a bulldozer and did some changes in the Bell Parkway, and they put a highway in where it was, under, it was just different, just different, and when I got up there, I came to a crossroads, and I swear the bay was on the wrong side of the road. I don't know what happened, and, uh, and I just didn't know what to, which way to turn. Now, as we were leaving, uh, Jackie said, I'll get the directions, and I said, that's insulting. It's insulting. I'm the boy from New York City. So he does put those directions aside. We don't and we didn't have um, you know, the smartphones and so on and GPS and all that. So and not a map with directions, and I just couldn't figure out how to get there. And um, Jackie said smartly, Well, you know, I asked you if you want to I told you right, I you know why right. Yeah, dump on me now! I came all the way up here. I did a drive through the traffic, and all I had to do was—I had to take the shortcut off the belt into Brooklyn. I to do that. And now you tell me about it. And and I got—I jumped all over her because she had the audacity to tell me that she asked for directions. Nobody hears like that. Okay. Now, come forward. About I don't know how many years, I'm preaching down in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, I used um, to—they used to fly me into Roanoke. Make me drive to West Virginia. And then one year I discovered that my trip to West Virginia is actually further than my trip to Roanoke. So I alerted the mission to that, and next year they had me driving to West Virginia and Roanoke. So <laughs> I thought I'd get a flight, but that didn't happen. So I ended up uh, driving. But in the early days, used to dr- fly into Roanoke. And I flew into Roanoke, and this man picks me up at the airport, and you could cut the tension between the husband and wife with a knife. They just had this problem and so um, I can't let it go and I probed and found out and here's what's going on on a Wednesday night at prayer meeting he comes home and said honey I decided to bring the missionary in this weekend we're going to keep we're going to house him for Saturday night and Sunday and he's preaching oh I wish you would have talked to me first you know Uh, it's not a good time for me and and he gets on her case and says listen I'm the head of this house blah 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 so, um, so she now has to make special preparation. The guest room wasn't quite suited, so you know what she decided she'll send the kids out to her mom and farm them out there for Saturday night, and the kids would be in mom's house, and then I could have yeah, the, the children's bedroom, and she'd fix that up for me. Now, that means she had to clean up the house, specially for the missionary, and uh, make it really spotless and perfect, because you, you see how immaculate I am, and uh, go to take a look at my van, and you'll see how foolish it is to clean up, and um, um, now, uh, now she has to get the kids in their pajamas, and get them bathed, and get them over to mom's house, and get them ready to go to bed before, it's like four o'clock, and meanwhile, you know, she's vacuuming, and He picks up the left leg, so a right leg, so he can vacuum under while he's watching TV. You know that beam. There is a beam that runs from the TV set to a man's forehead, and uh, if you get involved, he'll just, you know, you can't, you can't break the beam. And uh, so she was breaking the beam, so that annoyed him a little bit. So um, uh, she gets the kids off to her mom's and feels guilty just dropping them off. And meanwhile, he said, at 5.11, we need to leave to get to the airport. Enough time is enough to have a nice, nice meal and pick him up. 5.11, you understand that? Yes, dear, yes, dear. So um, uh, uh, she stayed an extra couple of minutes with her mom because she felt bad just dropping them off and not saying hello, goodbye. And as she comes in, she's a little rushed. She's putting her face on, and it is 5.11, and she's still getting herself ready to leave. And the husband says, hey, we made, I told them 5:11. don't embarrass me, being late, picking up and leaving And she said, she said, she actually said, you know, I could have got a little help today. You could have maybe cleaned up or got the kids ready to go instead of watching football all Saturday afternoon. Now, she said that word, and she's not allowed to say that word because, you see, hey, I work hard. I get one stinking day to myself to relax a little bit. I work five days a week. I go to church on Sunday, so I take a few minutes to watch a football game. And you got to throw it in my face! I want to get in the car. So he's really, you know. So on the way to the airport, somebody cut them off a little bit, and um, and he wants to really make his wife feel bad and punish her even more. So he screams at her and says. Look at this, not alone without an accident because of you, blah, 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 blah. I got a rush, blah, blah. and he starts yelling at her. I get in the car, and, uh, and everything's fine. I got, <laughs> thank you, you got yeah, it's you to me. So anyway, I get in the car, and on the way to the restaurant, somebody cut us off so bad that he actually had to jam on his brakes and pull on the sidewalk. This guy, with his, we were in his blind spot, and he just pulled right over, and he jams it, and we actually ended up on the sidewalk, and jams it, stops short of the telephone pole, turns around, and I'm in the back seat, and says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And he said, are you all right, hon? He said, oh, well, praise God. Everybody's okay. Now listen, with the missionary in the car, he gets cut off, praise the Lord. And without the machine in the car, you know it's all your fault. What's the difference? What's the difference? Why did my presence change his wrath? And the answer is is that he was not losing his anger with his, he was using his anger to uh, focus the attention away from his own guiltiness, away from his own fault and to put it on his wife so nobody so then we'll look at him. I saw that so clearly in him, and all of a sudden, I reminded myself of another husband who yelled at his wife. Well, come forward a couple months, and we're going back to Brooklyn. All right? And we're visiting the same couple, and I don't know why they wanted us back. I guess we played a good game of Pinochle, and we're going up there to see them again. And she closes her purse and smartly says, click, I have the directions with me, hon. And I just... "Mm." So we get in the same car, drive the same trip, get to the same spot, stop sign. And because the last time, I couldn't remember, we turned left and then turned around, or turned right and then turned around, I got dis- disheveled again. And I was lost again for for, for lost, for And I didn't know which way to go. And I turned to her and said, honey, you got those directions? She ain't got them. She thought she put him in a breath. They're not there. Uh, she's go, and she looks at me horrified. And she's afraid. Of, what does he got? And I'm going, it's all right, hon. Don't worry about it. He said, well, stop, get a cup of coffee, and I'll call him and ask him how to get there. And she said, where'd he come from? You know? And I said, honey, I only yell when I'm wrong. <laughs> You're clearly wrong here. No reason to, browbeat you. You see, I only yell and scream and holler and exhibit my rage when I want to use it, manipulate, and make other people feel bad and guilty so I don't have to feel bad and guilty about myself. Nobody is like that. But there are a lot of people who don't lose their temper. They use their temper. And that's got to stop. That's got to stop because the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. So we'll, we'll see more about anger, wrath, uh, malice, uh, these things later when we get back here in a couple weeks. Father God, uh, show us the, the way of righteousness. Teach us what a good offering is, what a good sacrifice is. Teach us to uh, escape the temptations of our own mind and our own heart. Help us to live lives that are more befitting and exemplifying of the truth of God in Messiah Yeshua. We we'll thank you for it. In the majesty name, Messiah we pray. Amen. Well, we've got two minutes to go. Let me close with the Aaronic benediction. Uh, and a word about the benediction I think is kind of neat. That when it says, um, "I'll Lord bless you and keep you, the word you is singular in the Hebrew. You'd never guess that, would you? You'd think bless the whole congregation. And we get the picture of Aaron blessing the congregation. But it's a singular you. And my suggestion is, is that it was almost like an ancient salute. Every t- and it's in a masculine singular. And now there's plenty of places where women are blessed and so on. But in this particular case, the ironic benediction is a masculine singular. And I think what it is is every time a priest would see a lay person, a man, walking down the street, it would be kind of like you might be carrying the Messiah's seed. You may be bringing the anointed one into the world through, um, through progeneration. And so in that case, in that case, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shameer is the guard over you, guard over you. So we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May the Lord lift up his countenance face upon you. And be gracious unto you, and be the Lord lift up at the counters of peace upon you, and grant you peace. Shalom. So that's the uh, idea. Shalom.